This is Conversations on Discipleship with Father Adam Streitenberger from St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and Diocese of Columbus Media. Welcome to Conversations on Discipleship. I'm your host, Father Adam Streitenberger. With me today is Father Ted Sill. He's the pastor of St. Matthew in Gehanna. Welcome, Father. Thank you. Good morning. Great to have you. Let's start with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we marvel at your wonderful works of creation. We marvel in your wonderful works of mercy and redemption through Christ our Lord. We ask, O oh Lord, that you open our hearts for this continual sanctification as you pour forth your Spirit into our lives. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we go back um, lo- a long time. Um, when I was high in, school. in high school, you were the vocation director for the Diocese of Columbus, and you, you, re- you recruited me. You, you, <laughs> you came to my doorstep. <laughs> um, so that, we go back. Um, so that was like, that must have been, I mean... You were uh, probably mid-90s, yeah, yeah 95, so. Yeah. yeah, you were probably, what, maybe a junior in high school? Yeah, I think so. Something I think like even that. earlier when I was a freshman at youth rallies and things like that, Diocesan youth rallies. Mm-hmm. So, and then the the process of of applying for SPES, the Scholastic Preparation program. for Program, program for, for ecclesiastical, ecclesiastical Students. students. Yes. Um, to become a seminarian for the diocese, and then also to the Josephinum too. So yeah, and you were reading um, uh, a book. I'm trying to remember who was it. One, one of the popes. It may books, have been, or some of the Vatican II documents yeah. or something. It was like you blew my mind. What what is this kid reading? So yeah, and you still took me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so. Um, as as per our custom here on Conversations on Discipleship, we really like to begin um, with the story of how you came to know the Lord, um, and certainly a part of that, too, is um, your coming to know um, your vocation as well, but um, you grew up in Circleville, mm-hmm. um, in the faith there. Uh, you're a, a, round town. Round town. A proud, a proud alum of... Flaget, Bishop Flaget. High school, and the parish grade school in Circleville, St. Joseph's Yeah, school. So ob- I think we can start there with your, sort of your introduction to the Lord through through your Catholic family. Um, yeah, so having the uh, sisters at our school uh, played, I think, a, a great influence on my life. You know, they would talk about um, our vocation and, cur- of course, uh, encourage uh, us to consider vocation to the priesthood. Um, also, uh, had an uncle, he's now deceased, um, who was a Carmelite priest, and he would come to visit uh, once a year, and that was like a big deal for our family, because he was like the favorite uncle. And I, in fact, named after uh, my Uncle Ted, uh, I was born on the day that he was ordained a priest. And I'm the second of a set of twins, so my parents gave me the name uh, Theodore One because I was born when he was ordained, and two because I was the second of the set of twins, and they figured I was an extra gift from mm-hmm. God. And Theodore means gift of God, so 
I like to remind people of that every once in a while. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's how I got my name. And uh, my uncle was a, another influence in, in my life at a very young age. I just, you know, idolized him and wanted to be just like him. So I, I you know, I, went, I was thinking about being a priest at an early age. Uh, beginning, I, I recall when I was in second grade preparing for my first communion that I would um, uh, pray after um, receiving communion, would kneel down and pray, God, make me a, a, a priest, you know, a, a happy, holy priest. And, well, it happened, but uh, it took a while. <laughs> <laughs> a lot happened in between. That's right. Yeah. When you so um, your family, um, your parents taught you how to pray and the importance of prayer. Right, exactly. I, we all always went to mass. It wasn't an option uh, not to go. When when we were in um, high school and learned how to drive, my parents would give us my brothers and sisters and I the option if we wanted to go to a different mass, we could drive ourselves, but we had to go. <laughs> and um, and they trusted us. I mean, it wasn't like we had to bring the bulletin home and show it to them to prove but and, and we went and it, it was just something that you never argued about because this was part of what we did as a family and we also you know would pray the rosary i think especially during lent we would would try to do that so we had you know a prayer at home uh some and of course we always went to mass um and that was just part of your contribution to the family, so to speak, that you would, we would all go together and pray. And my parents tried to make, uh, as we got older, um, you know, a bit more um, inviting for us to do this as a family, because after Mass, especially when I recall when they had the, the vigil Masses on Saturday, they would, uh, after Mass, we'd come home and, and have whatever we voted on for dinner, whether it be pizza um, of course, we always made it. You didn't buy pizza back then. It was too expensive. Um, or a pancake dinner, you know, or a waffle dinner or something like that. So I, those are fond memories as, as a child. So my parents, you know, tried to um, always make it a, a family event. And you had the influence of the sisters in school. Mm -hmm. um, they were those the sisters of charity? Were they at Circleville? Um, I want to say St. Joseph from uh, Baden, Pennsylvania. Okay. Okay. Um, that's what I recall. But. And then what about the local pastor? Uh, well, um, when I was in grade school, I had uh, Monsignor McGlynn, who, when we were preparing to serve for Mass, we were, like, terrified because he always wanted it done perfectly. I, he's probably rubbed off on me in some regard with that <laughs> and servers. But um, so, you know, we always tried to do it very well, but we knew that if we made a mistake that he would point it out to us, and not after Mass. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, um, but, you know, it seemed like when he was pastor, um, I think, as it typically is for pastors, it's a bit stressful, and um, it showed at times. Um, but when I eventually uh, went to seminary, um, he, he, he was retired by then, and really took a supportive interest in me mm. at that time. Um, and, you know, he was he was a great support. And it totally relaxed and, you know, just a, a joy to be around uh, by that point. But as kids, remember, well, he was kind of, you know, stern and very exacting. and um, But, you know, that was at that time. 
So early on, you had thought about the priesthood, but um, it, you didn't go in right out of high school. No, not like you. I didn't do that. <laughs> uh, and I wasn't uh, reading the Vatican documents in high school either. Um, through grade school, probably until about the eighth grade, I, I thought uh, about you know being a priest and prayed for it. But by eighth grade, I think I uh, started to notice that girls weren't as... Um, bothersome or creepy as I once thought they were. And <laughs> I kind of had my uh, attention for uh, a while through high school as well. And by the time I got in high school, I pretty much dumped the idea of, of being a priest. Um, and it wasn't until um, college when... No, it was after college. I'd uh, been working for five years after college. And during that time after college, I'd uh, had been dating, and I um, was dating someone. I thought, well, this is it. I'm going to get uh, married, and I went out and bought the engagement ring. Uh, but then something happened. Um, I I couldn't give it to her. I had this uh, overwhelming sense, and it was really overwhelming because I remember that I was kind of trembling um, with the thought of this, that I, I, I was dodging something about my life, namely the priesthood, um, and I really hadn't given it a good looking into or discernment. And so that kind of froze me up, so to speak. I, I couldn't give her the ring. Um, you know, we uh, broke it off. You know, I was trying to think about this idea. It was more of a fight with God. Uh, you know, I would argue er- practically every day for a year why I shouldn't go to seminary, why I, you know, wouldn't be cut out uh, to be a priest. And and I think after a year, I just got tired and worn down by it and just finally said, okay, God, I'll, I'll give this a looking into, I'll go apply, um, and I'll try seminary if they'll take me, and uh, if it doesn't uh, work out, then I'll have my answer. And, and I kind of thought that it would, I'd get that sign you know, right away when I go to seminary that this wasn't going to work out, and I'd be out, and then I'd be free to do whatever you know, plans I had in mind for myself, because I, you know, I thought about being a dad and having kids and a wife. Um. Well, you've been listening to Conversations on Discipleship. I'm your host, Father Adam Streitenberger. With me has been Father Ted Sill. He's the pastor of St. Matthew's in Gehenna. Thank you, Father, for joining us. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. And until next time, peace and all good. A Diocese of Columbus production in partnership with St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I heard an old joke that shows the difference between an optimist and a pessimist. A pessimist child was brought into a room of toys. He hung his head low and said, I'll probably break one. An optimist child was brought into a room of horse manure. He jumped in, started digging, and said, There's got to be a horse in here somewhere. (laughs) Now, some of us are just naturally optimists and some are pessimists. But for the Christian, there's something deeper than both those options. It's something called hope. Hope comes from confidence in God's love for us. That no matter what we face in life, God's only motive for allowing it is love. When things look like a pile of manure, you can trust that love. When things break you down on the outside, you can trust that it's part of the plan for your eternal glory and He's building you up on the inside. Scripture tells us that all things work together for the good for those who love and serve God. That's not a call to be an optimist, but to be full of hope. This is Chris Stefanik from Real Life Catholic.